0: Good morning, everyone. Can everybody hear me? Yep. I think so. Okay, we're going to talk about grace this morning, and uh, just to make sure that that uh, we are, we are following along in, in what the word actually means, let's just take a simple definition in the English in our English translations. The word grace simply means favor. And uh, a lot lot of times we have um, sort of complicated the word because we've added a modifier. And the modifier is that we say that grace is unmerited favor. Now that's not found in any translation or in any definition of grace. It's not an un- unmerited favor. Now, God's love is unmerited. But God's grace, we cannot say, basically, that it's unmerited favor. But it is favor. And we all know, most of us know, what it means to be favored. Some parents have a favorite child. We have favorite meals. We know what it means to favor something. And we know what it means to favor for someone to favor someone else. And so when we're talking about God's grace, we're talking about Him favoring someone, having a favorite. Let's look at uh, the first time this word is found in the Bible. It's found in uh, Genesis chapter 6 at verse 8, where the text says, And Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. That's a, you know, that's a, I don't know whether you heard it or not, but that's a that's a catchy song sung by the Statler brothers. Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. What it's saying is that Noah could see, apparently, and know that God favored him. Now we, again, when we look at this, we we know that before it says this in verse 8, it, it talks about all of mankind having become evil in their hearts. And God has decided to destroy the whole world, but he's going to save one man. And our, our, our question is, why is he going to save Noah? And uh, the answer generally is, well, that's unmerited favor. He just picked Noah out of the whole world and said, I'm going to save this guy. Well, that's not correct. Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. He found grace in the sight of the Lord because he was a man of faith. So in in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, verse 7, it says, By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. So Noah wasn't just picked out indiscriminately, without merit, because God favored him. It was because Noah had faith in God. And so God favored Noah. He found grace in his sight. Noah was also said to be a preacher of righteousness. So not only did Noah believe in God, he was trying to tell other people about God. He was telling people, announcing to people that God is, and that God is good, and that God is righteous, and that people ought to bend their will to the will of God. He's called that in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, at verse 5. And it says, God saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Another text in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 through 21, which a lot of people struggle with, it says, Jesus went and preached to the spirits which were in prison. Basically, Jesus was speaking by the Holy Spirit through Noah to people before the flood. Noah was the guy who was telling people about God and telling people about the righteousness of God. Okay, we know what grace is. It's favor. And the question is, how does God favor us? Now, if, you, if you've grown up in a family where you feel like your mother or daddy loved your other, your other kids, your other brothers and sisters more than they loved you, you're talking about this idea of favor or grace. When we read the Old Testament and we read about the term grace... It's actually a word that's usually used in this phrase. Grace in the sight of the Lord or grace in the eyes of the Lord. Okay. We know if someone feels favorable toward us by looking at them and by them looking at us. We can actually see it, can't we? And we can see it. Let's say our parents had a favorite child. We can usually see that in their eyes when they address that child. And we can see when people have a favorite friend. What is it? What's the term? BFF in in a computer language? <laughs> best friends forever. Well, you can hear it in their voice and you can see it in their eyes. When you see a crowd and the best friend forever shows up, you can see it in the eyes of the person. They favor that individual. We're going to take a look at the Old Testament in, in an example to see if we can sort out this idea of why God favors individuals, certain individuals. Why does He show them favor? Now, we're not talking about unmerited favor because the Bible doesn't speak in those terms. We're talking about favor. And there's a reason why God favors some and He doesn't favor others. So let's look at a text. Paul said in Romans 15 at verse 4, he said, Whatsoever was written before time was written for our learning." that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So we're going to take a scriptural journey, because Paul said, hey Bill, you can do this. You can go back to the Old Testament and use an example to show us what we're talking about. So let's take the example of twin boys in the Old Testament. It's a great story. It's a story uh, about uh, Jacob and Esau. They were the twin sons of Isaac and Rebekah. And the text is found, if you can read it if you like, from Genesis 25 through Genesis 34. But we're not going to read the whole text. Let me just tell you the story, and I think I'm addressing people who have probably read this story. Jacob and Esau were twins. Isaac was the son of Abraham, and God had selected Abraham because Abraham was a man of faith, and God said, I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless those that come in contact with you. And I'm going to bless you exceedingly. I'm going to bless your family. And I'm going to bless all the nations through you. Now, what God was talking about at that point was, he's going to make sure that Abraham is going to be well taken care of. And all of his children are going to be well taken care of. And then eventually, all the world would be blessed, well taken care of by God initially he started out with the business of taking care of them physically. If, if you've read the Old Testament, you you've, it doesn't really highlight it, but, but you do run across the idea that Abraham became, because he was in God's favor and because God said, I will bless you, he became an extremely powerful and wealthy man. Obscenely wealthy in his day. He just had... He just had everything he touched turned to gold. Abraham, God was blessing Abraham and everybody around him recognized that's what's going on. That Abraham, God favors Abraham. And the the catcher is that God told Abraham that he would do the same thing with his offspring. Now, we usually, if our kids get anything, we have to will it to them. They have to go through a court of law or go through the legal documentation in order for them to inherit what we have. But this was not what was going on at that time when God said, I will bless you. They were passing that blessing, that physical blessing on from generation to generation from the Abraham to start with, to his eldest son, and then to his son's eldest son, then their eldest son on down the line. And it became apparent that this was what was going on. So, here was Isaac, And Isaac was prospering after Abraham died. Isaac was prospering and he got into the land of the Philistines, got mixed up with the Philistines, up north of Israel. And Abimelech recognized, Abimelech wanted to kind of hold Isaac in his own territory because Abimelech recognized that everything that Isaac touched was turning to gold. And he didn't want Isaac to leave his area because everything was going well. And the text, one of the text says in chapter 26 of, of uh, Genesis, one of the text says that God increased Isaac's belongings by one hundred fold. A hundred times over what he had. He increased it. Can you imagine if a person goes out to plant seed, that God says, I'm going to increase it. Whatever you do this year, I'll increase it. By 100. Well, no wonder then the, the boys, when they came along, wanted to get that blessing from their father. So here's Jacob and Esau. They're being born of Isaac. And when, when they were born, Esau was first. So he should have gotten that birthright. So he should have been the one that was going to be obscenely wealthy and, and taken care of. But when he was born, Jacob had a hold of his heel when they came out of the womb, and Jacob had a hold of him. And that was sort of a portent that things were going to change. When the boys were growing up, they were different. They were twins, but they didn't look alike. Esau was red and hairy, the Bible says. And Jacob was sort of smooth. And as they grew up, Isaac inclined toward Esau. He liked him. He was his favorite. Rebecca had... Jacob is his favorite, her favorite. So the, the boys were sort of at odds with one another. And along, during the period of their life as they grew up, Esau became a hunter and a man of the wild, and he, he, uh, he, he got into his father's favor by bringing wild game to him and cooking the meat the way his father liked it. But Rebecca still was inclined toward uh, Jacob. On one occasion, Esau encountered Jacob, and Esau had spent too much time in the wilderness. And when he came back, he was starving. He was hungry. And he came into the area where Jacob was, and these were grown boys, grown men, probably in their 30s. And he wanted some food from Jacob. And Jacob used that opportunity and said, Okay, I'll I'll give you what you want, but you have to sell me your birthright. Now think about that just a minute. His birthright, which meant that from from a time that their fathers died, that Jacob would be the one who would become obscenely wealthy. Well, Esau didn't didn't care about it. He said, Okay, I'll sell it. Like, give me something to eat. And so that's that's what the Bible tells us about in Hebrews uh, chapter twelve, verse sixteen, seventeen. It says, Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward he would have inherited the blessing he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. What happened was that through a little bit of manipulation, Jacob was actually able to get Isaac to pass the blessing on to him, and Esau didn't get it, but when Esau found out that it went, on, went to Jacob, then he came back to Isaac and he wanted, he, he wanted some blessings. And Isaac blessed him to some degree, but he didn't give him this particular blessing. That didn't sit well with Esau. So Esau decided he was going to kill Jacob. Brothers. Cain and Abel, sort of. So Esau's gonna kill him. Rebecca found out about it and she took Jacob aside and said, listen, you're gonna have to get out of town because your brother's gonna kill you. So Jacob took off and Rebecca said, go, go, go north. Go north and go up, go up by where my brother lives and go, go to his house, Laban in Padanaram. So Jacob took off and he went up to his uncle's house. And there he found a young lady. And the, the, You know, this story has got a lot of twists and turns to it. He found a young woman he fell in love with. And her name was Rebecca. And so he went to Laban and he said, I've got to have this girl. Can I? And he said, okay, you work for me for seven years and you can have her for your wife. Great. So all, he went to work. Seven years later, the time came. He was supposed to get Rebecca and instead of going into the marriage tent, Laban sent Leah. And when Jacob found out about it, he said, hey, I, 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 I bargained for Rebecca." And Laban said, well, it's not right in our culture for the younger to marry before the elder. So if you want Rebecca, you're going to have to work another seven years, which he did. Happily, he did. And so he married Rebekah, and he had Leah and Rebekah, and they began to have children. And pretty soon, uh, Jacob said, I've got to go home. I've got to get out of here. And what was happening was that the whole countryside, because Jacob was there, was prospering. Everything was going well. And it was going well because Jacob was there, and God's blessing was upon him. This was understood. Matter of fact, Laban said to, to him when, when Jacob got ready to go and took off, and then Laban tried to chase him down, and, and Jacob took all of his flocks and his wives and his children, and he, he, he was going south. And Laban caught up with him. And, and Laban said, hey, you, you can't leave me. It says, Laban said, uh, if I found favor, if I found grace in your eyes... He's looking at Jacob now and he's saying, Have I found grace in your eyes? Am I Have I have favor? He said, If I've found grace in your eyes, stay, don't leave. Because, he said, I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. So he didn't want him to leave. Now Jacob had done some manipulation along that line and he finally got loose. And on his way home it dawned on him that when he was going home, it dawned on him that he might run across his brother Esau. Oops. Was Esau still mad at Jacob? I would assume that he was. And Jacob assumed that he was. So Jacob took some messengers and he said, Go ahead of me, and if you run into Esau... See if you can find grace in his eyes, favor in his eyes. Look at his eyes and see how he looks. Basically, is what he's telling him. The messengers came back and said, and of course Jacob, I'm just making this up now, but I know the messengers came back with a message. But when they came back, I'm sure Jacob said, "Well, what did he look like?" And the messenger said, "He got 400 armed men. He's looking for you. He got 400 armed men." Jacob said, oops, I've got to get in the favor of my brother Esau. So you know what he did? He, he, he made three different groups of animals and sent them ahead. Animals and treasures and so forth, 200 rams and, and uh, she-goats. 200 lambs, he had camels, I think he had 50 camels, 60 camels, he had cows and bulls, and he sent three groups. And with each group, he sent them on ahead, and they had space between them. So he sent one group ahead with messengers and saying, tell tell my brother, I've got some good things for you. And so they went, three of them, spaced out between, and confronted Esau. It didn't seem to work. The messengers came back and they weren't. They didn't bring any favorable information. So he said, "Oh, what I've got to do? I've got to make sure that I, something is preserved." So he he broke his camp up into two camps, and one camp included Rachel and his kids, and the other camp included Leah and those kids, and he divided them up so that if Esau charged him, he might be able to save one group. Now you ask yourself, well. What what did he want? He wanted to find grace, favor, in the eyes of his brother. So when he finally confronted Esau, you know what Esau's question was? He said, hey, what's all this about? What's going on? And Jacob said, I, I was looking for favor. I sent these gifts. And he said, I don't need your gifts. I've got plenty myself. So... All of that for nothing. So Esau said, come on home with me. And Jacob, he decided maybe better not. So he went on south and tried to get as far away from Esau as he could. But the idea was, he kept asking the question, can I find grace in your sight? Can I find favor in your eyes? Let's look at another situation and that involved Moses. Later on, you, we, we know the story of Moses and uh, how he went up on the mountain of Sinai. He went up to receive the law. You remember that? And ho- while he was gone to receive the law from God, and the mountain was covered with smoke and fire and, and, uh, and, and lightning and so forth, while he was gone, the people decided he had been gone too long, and so they made an idol, a golden calf. And they began to commit fornication. And all the different things that were, that were uh, typical of idolatry in that day. When Moses came back down from the mountain, he realized what they had done. Because God told him while he was on the mountain, God knew what was going on. He told him while he was on the mountain that he was not going to put up with those people. And that uh, he, he was not going to go with them. Moses came down, saw what was happening, and he got Levi and all the, his brothers together, and they went through the camp trying, and killed a lot of the people that had been involved in that. 3,000 men, as a matter of fact, lost their lives that day. And then Moses went into the camp. They had a, went into the tent. They had a big tent called the tent of the tabernacle where God was to meet with the children of Israel. And all of Israel was in tents. They were all in tents and in tents. They were, they were tents all around, and they were afraid that God was going to destroy them because of what they had done. Moses went into the tabernacle to talk with God, and every man stood in the door of his tent to see what was going to happen. And when Moses went into the tabernacle to talk with God, here's what he asked God. He said, if I have found grace in your sight, don't destroy these people, Please he asked him five times and his statement was every time if I have found grace in your sight I am. if I'm your favorite do me a favor do me a favor and he said that in chapter 34 in verse six, 6 and 7 he says if I have found grace in your sight and he made the same plea and you know what? God granted him his wish. He saved all of Israel. All of Israel because Abraham was his favorite. And it wasn't unmerited grace. because Not Abraham, Moses. Because Moses was a man of faith. Moses was a person who was seeking God and trying to do his will. Now, as sinners... We seek the grace of God. What are we seeking? You say, well, I'm seeking His love. Don't worry about that. Because if we want to use the word unmerited in any context, we can use it this way, the unmerited love of God. He loves you as a sinner. But if we're seeking His favor, we have to to look in a different direction. We have to think differently. You remember the prodigal son in, in Luke chapter 15? The boy that left home said, went to his father and said give me what is mine as an inheritance and his father gave it to him and he took off went to a far country and he spent his money in wasteful living then he came back when he finally realized his plight he he came back and he said in Luke chapter 15 verse 2 he says I've sinned he told his father he said I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm I'm not worthy to be called your son his father did take him back in. He forgave him and took him back in. When we seek for God's grace, we have to recognize initially that we are sinners. We sin against God through blasphemy, using the God's name in vain. We use blasphemous statements, evil thoughts, selfishness, pride, contempt against God. We sin against ourselves and covetousness and hatred and and anger, we, we do, do bad things to ourselves, and we, we sin against our family by abusing them and neglecting them and, and uh, saying things and doing things that hurt them. And we sin against our friends with lying and cheating and, and deception and gossip. The question is how do we get back into the grace of our friends, our neighbors, our family, our God? Well, the best way to get back in favor with your wife, fellas, is to buy her some roses and a box of candy you know what that's that's what we think isn't it that's what that's what Jacob was doing he said I'm gonna I'm gonna send some presents and you can you imagine when you sin against someone is there any way that you can rectify that can change that and I want to tell you right now the answer is no when you do something wrong you've done it you split your britches You've done it wrong, and it's not going to make any difference what you do from then on. You're not going to rectify that. If you say something hateful to a friend, that's going to that's that's going to stay in the air forever. You're you can't you can't give them a gift and say, Hey, I'll uh, I'm going to do better. I won't say that to you again. But that doesn't change the fact that you already did it, does it? The man who splits his wife's lip because he's a drunken slob, because he doesn't care about it. The guy that that betrays his family and doesn't take care of them. The guy that makes everybody's world a living hell around them. What, What can they do to make up? What can they do to make up for that? How can they find grace in that person's sight? Well, the Bible says that we have to forgive, that we should forgive our enemies. No, we do. It's not for their sake, it's for our sake. That's why we forgive. So we don't hold grudges. But how do you make it? Well, okay, I'll buy you tickets to the ball game, son, because I haven't been around. Okay, I'm going to take you on a vacation now because we haven't been together much. Talking to the wife now, okay, I'm going to spend more time. I'm going to be more helpful around the house. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Is that the way that we find grace in the sight of God, that we vow that we're going to do better. Generally, when a person says that, they don't really do better, do they? They don't do better. And, but it, it doesn't make any difference. The Christian is going to forgive regardless of that. How do we find grace? That's the question. Grace is found in the eyes of Jesus. Now, if you want grace, if you want God to favor you, if if my son wants me to favor him, he's going to have to behave himself in such a way that I will favor him. Isn't that correct? I can't just dispense favor. I don't. You don't either. Nobody does. The husband who's abused his wife, he wants to be forgiven. He wants wants grace. How can he get it? by gifts, by flowers, by candy by promises the only way you're going to get favor is by changing your life you have to change your life, you've got to make a tremendous emphatic change oh I'm I'm going to do better, I'm going to be a better person, I'm going to be more reliable, I'm going to stand in the gap when you need me the most then do it, do it And when you do it, when you begin to do it, you'll begin to have favor. But not until. Listen to this. Godly sorrow works repentance to salvation. Not to be repented of, but the sorrow of this world works death. So simply because you're sorry for something you did, doesn't change anything. Every prisoner in the prison systems will tell you they're sorry. They're sorry they got caught basically they're sorry that things are not going well they're sorry that they hurt everybody but that doesn't mean that they've changed recidivism in our prison systems is an all-time high they're going to go out and do it again why because they haven't changed you have to make a change and the first change that comes is through repentance but we can't expect to find favor in the eyes of the lord while we're falling down drunk it's not going to happen We're not going to find favor in the Lord while we're wallowing around in pornography or trailing our vices behind us in a little red wagon like we have personal toys to take with us. Jesus does not look with favor upon those who will not abandon their sins. He will not look upon you favorably simply because you decide I'm going to honor Him by asking Him in prayer to forgive me. That's not going to happen. You have to if you want out of your sins, if you want to find favor and grace in the eyes of Jesus, you're going to have to quit the sin, repent of it, and have faith in God that He can guide you in a direction in this life that is pleasing to Him and to everybody else, really. Listen to this. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12 says, "...the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying worldliness... An ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world we have to deny the world if we're going to find grace in the sight of God Jesus is going to look at us and say you're my favorite, why? because you believe in him and you've abandoned your past life and you're going to follow him you can't take it with you you cannot take your obscenities with you to Jesus Ephesians chapter 2 at verse 8 says, By grace are you saved by faith. Grace you're saved how? By faith. If you want to be favored by Jesus, you have to believe in Him. You have to believe that He is a Son of God. That's the way you'll find grace. That not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It doesn't make any difference how many Times you say, well, Lord, I, I'm going to change. Look at the, I'm, I'm going to do some good things. I'm going to go out and do some good things. I'm going to go do some good works. You're going to find grace inside of Jesus Christ through your faith in Him, and through your abandonment of the old life, and your living in the new life. That's where grace comes from. Romans chapter five, verse one and two says, therefore, being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace where we stand. We have access by faith into this grace. That's not unmerited favor, my friends. You merit the favor of God because you believe in Him. That's why He favors you. That's why you have grace, because you believe in Him. And you believe in Him and you have abandoned this world. And the worldly lust and everything that taints you, you said, Lord, I'm coming to you, and I'm leaving this behind. And you do it. And then look in the eyes of Jesus, and that's where you'll find grace. That's where you'll find favor. The Jews said, Jews thought, and there's a whole text here in the book of Romans that talks about the difference between the law and faith. And the difference between the law and the faith was that people keeping the law said, Well, okay, Lord, we're going to do all these things. Therefore, you look on us with favor because we're doing these things. Keeping the law. And Paul said, No, that's not it. It's faith in Him. If you have faith in Him, then you will follow Him. But just doing the things that you think need to be done is not it. You have to give your heart to Jesus Christ. Give your heart to Him. Say, Lord, I come to you in faith. Guide me, direct me, take me, cleanse me. Let me walk with you every day of of my life. Let me walk with you. I want to have faith in you. And then you're his favorite. He's going to favor you. He's going to look at you. and, And when he looks at you, you'll see the love jump out of his eyes. Because he loves you. Because you are faithful to him. We, we frustrate the grace of God, Galatians 2.21. We frustrate the grace of God by thinking that works saves us, and it doesn't. It's our faith in him and our obedience to him. He'll favor you, friend. Do you believe in him? If you believe in him, then you'll walk with him. And you can start that walk this morning if you like. We're going to sing a song of invitation, give you an opportunity to express yourself. Let's stand together and sing.